What is going on, Roto-Grinders? Dean here. It's a Dean704. If you want to get all technical on me in the DFS space, of course, this is not a DFS-centric show. This is Sports Card Grinders, where we talk, you guessed it, sports cards. Uh, we're going to bring in our panel, our prestigious panel. Batting first is one Jeff Wilson, you know, from Sports Card Investor. What's going on, Jeff? How are things in your world? Things are great, man. Things are real well. Thank you. Good to hear that. Uh, returning champion, our returning champion from last week is Brennan Brennan Bruby. Brennan, uh, how are things with you? And, uh, you know, what do you, I guess you have to defend your crown. I don't know why I made you champion tonight. You Simon <laughs> in my head. Simon is lost somehow, but uh, uh, what's, how are we doing? I, I appreciate that. No, I'm doing good. I finished the last dance documentary and I moved straight on to the uh, magic moment with Shaq and, and Hardaway. So I'm, oh. I've gone down a rabbit hole of sports documentaries. So luckily there's enough 30 for 30s to last me a, a long time. Don't give any spoilers because Simon hasn't watched the whole thing. For You haven't watched it all, right, Simon? No, I still got a few episodes left of uh, Last Dance. All right. <laughs> I think it turns out well for Jordan, just the heads. I guess that was a spoiler. <laughs> the statute limitations are up. Of course, you guys yep. know Simon Edwards, who works here at the producer. He's a utility man, a jack of all trades. Simon, how are things in your world? Doing good. Looking forward right. to talking to some sports cards. Yes, sir. We're going to be talking about, uh, we'll talk about Jeff's virtual sports con in just a second, as well as uh, we're going to delve into some, some MLB players that uh, are some potential buys. I threw out some names and you guys are going to tell me because I don't pretend to be a sports card aficionado. I used to back in the day, but now I'm just a total novice. I'm a total noob and I'm happy to ask some questions. You guys tell me if I'm onto something, you guys tell me if I'm wrong. And then we're going to talk about uh, the art of card flipping as well. Uh, before we do all that, we do want to talk about, well, Jeff, I should throw it to you because RG, of course, uh, mm-hmm. we have a deal here with the uh, sportscardinvestor.com. You get 20% off your first payment of subscription to the SCI, uh, the Market Mover subscription, and uh, just put in code, uh, code the code Grinders, and you get twenty percent off. And Jeff, sell me on it. Tell me why. Tell me why uh, I need this. Tell me why I can use it. How I can apply it into my sports card needs. Sure. So I built the only data tool in the world that gives you up to the minute information on how prices are changing in the hobby. <laughs> allows you to chart out the you know, chart out what's going on, uh, see charts of all different, all different sports cards and how their prices are changing. And most, most importantly, identify buying opportunities because the people who are actively using my tool, Market Movers, are often able to find really good buying opportunities, cards that the charts show there's opportunity to latch onto because that card is probably going to go up in the weeks ahead. Uh, and so that is my Market Movers data tool. All right. Before we start talking about card flipping, I'm going to stay with you, Jeff, but tell me, Tell me what's the deal. What is this, what is this uh, virtual sports card convention? What, what is that? Yeah, so one of the big events in the sports card world, actually the biggest event in the sports card world every year is what's called the National, the National Sports Collectors Convention. It is a absolutely humongous convention where there are hundreds and hundreds of sports card and memorabilia dealers from around the nation that come together and throw this giant card show. Um, last year was in Chicago. I went to it. It honestly is so big that you have to you have to be there for at least a couple full days uh, in order to see everything, if not more. That's how big it is. Um, and it, so, you know, thousands, tens of thousands of people come to this thing from all over the country. This year was supposed to be in Atlantic City uh, at the end of July and the beginning of August. Unfortunately, obviously, due to the circumstance everyone's in, uh, they have postponed the show, and they're hoping to do it in December now. They're not sure if it will fully happen or not, but that's what they're hoping. Um, this, however, is a blow 
for sports car dealers all over the nation who depend on this show as a major source of revenue for them every year. It's also a blow for, of course, just the sports car community who loves to go to shows like this. So since I've got a large YouTube following at Sports Card Investor, um, I decided that we would do a virtual sports card con, so a virtual card show for the same original five days that the National was scheduled for at the end of the July and the beginning of August. We're going to get a lot of the dealers who are going to go to the National, but we're going to bring them on to our live stream and we're going to have them show off the cards that they otherwise would have had for sale at the National and people will be able to buy those cards in real time. So it should be a really fun event um, and it's totally free, 100% free to attend as well as 100% free for dealers to exhibit at. It's just something we're doing to try to lift up the community. You can go to my website, sportscardinvestor.com to register for it. You do need to register. Go to sportscardinvestor.com and click on the virtual 2020 in the main menu bar. Uh, that sounds like good times. That's like a great, a great idea as well. Just adjusting to the circumstances. I'm just curious. You mentioned you've been going there and you talk about thousands of people going and uh, I'm just brand new as far as getting back into the industry peripherally. Just from what I see, it feels like it's getting uh, more popular. It's gaining some steam. Have you been, how long have you, been, have you been going to this convention and have you noticed it getting bigger and bigger? I'm curious. Oh, it absolutely has. So last year, so they've done the convention for 41 years. Um, uh, this, I think this would have been their 41st year. Um, and last year was the second highest in attendance ever. Wow. And that includes through the whole junk wax era when sports cars were at their absolute boom. There was only one year in the last 40 years that had more attendance than this past year. And a lot of people thought that had this year's convention not been postponed, that it would have broken the all-time record um, in terms of uh, attendance. So it's and it just it just speaks to what's happening in the hobby overall. I mean, it's the 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 number of cards bought and sold on eBay every day has gone up and up and up and up. And uh, prices have gone up and up with it. And so those, those, of, you know, those of you who have been fortunate enough to buy some sports cards and, and hold on to them uh, in recent months have seen those cards double in value, triple in value, uh, or more, depending on what the card is. Is there one thing you can point to I'm just like, that makes you think, think why? Well, why all of a sudden? Why is it gaining this huge momentum in the last so many years? Well, there's a lot of factors. Um, it's uh, first of all, first of all, if you if you if you collected sports cards when you were a kid, and you're coming back into it now, and you're kind of starting to check it out again, it's so much better done, and and they they fixed so many of the problems that they used to have. For example, right now you've got grading, which helps you ensure the quality of a card. It also adds scarcity by the fact that cards are graded. A lot of the more prestigious cards are serial numbered. Um, so that also helps with scarcity and, and ensuring that you don't have a card that's been reproduced a zillion times. Um, cards are much better designed these days, and a lot of the higher-end cards have on-card autographs and players of the you know uh, the player's jersey patch, so they're much nicer to look at. The whole card market is liquid, uh, whereas when you you know when I used to collect as a kid, you could buy these price guides that would suggest what a card was worth, but you couldn't really sell it for that price. I mean, who were you going to sell it to? But today, you can literally buy and sell cards on eBay. You could buy a card today on eBay and then decide you want to sell out of it three weeks later and put it on eBay in a one-day auction, and it's sold the next day, and you've got the money in your account shortly thereafter. So it's much more liquid, and all of these things have just made it you know, a much more attractive hobby to get into and, or, or an investment to get into. You know, Some people do it from the, from the hobby perspective for collecting, and some people like me really look at it from an investment perspective and how can I flip cards or how can I buy certain cards at a lower price and 
sell them down the road at a higher price. That's a good segue. Uh, we're going to talk card flipping, card flipping strategy. Brennan, what is card flipping? So card flipping is 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 another form of uh, investing in sports cards. However, it's typically done on a short time frame. If I buy a LeBron and plan on holding it for five to 10 years when he gets inducted into the Hall of Fame, that's more of a long-term investment. If I think a player in the short term will see his value increase, I might buy it. And then within sometimes a, a couple of weeks or a couple of months, I'll then flip it. Uh, an example of that from last season, uh, Nikola Jokic came out really slow out of the gates. And so I invested in a few of his uh, rookie cards, knowing that he just doesn't show up to camp in shape. I mean, it, he's one of the guys that gets into shape midseason. And so, um, you know, I think I had made three or four X on a couple of the cards I bought in a matter of a couple of months because towards the all-star break, he started picking it up and his game turned around. And so flipping it, it is really looking at guys, at least in the short term, that should see a value increase, whether it be a good play or as we've seen with this documentary, uh, you know, their name is, is more in vogue and in the media uh, and that attention should drive up their prices. So flipping cards really is looking to make money, um, you know, in the short term. Yeah. You mentioned Nikola Jokic. He, uh, as a kid, I think he would, he talked about it. Maybe as a teenager, how we would drink three liters of Coke a day. <laughs> uh, he was a Husky kid. If you saw his, you saw his pictures as a child, like someone, this guy's going to be one of the best players in the NBA in like 15 years or 10 years, whatever it is like, nah, that happened. But uh, yeah, I, I love Jokic as well. I'm definitely, he's one of the most fun players to watch and you're going to be nostalgic for basketball as is uh, Simon. How do you apply uh, card flipping strategy? I know you're just uh, buying some stuff. You bought a couple cards the other day. Are those flippers or those uh, cards you want to keep around for a while? Uh, how do you apply the strategies? Yeah. Uh, more recently I've, uh, I've kind of spent my bankroll on longer term holds uh, that I want to hold on to, but, Last uh, week or so, I've been focusing on trying to buy more RPA-type cards, autographed uh, rookie cards um, that, I can, that I can scan through eBay auctions and try to buy at a cheap price where I can eventually flip it as a buy it now or make me an offer option on, on eBay. So that's, that's kind of what I've been getting into now. That kind of gives me a reason to buy non-QB uh, football players wide receivers and running backs and, and those kinds of cards. Football is my main focus. So it kind of gives me an opportunity to try to buy cheap there on auctions that are, uh, have less attention because most people focus on, on quarterbacks and then try to try to get those ignored aux uh, auctions going and uh, buy cheap there and then eventually try to flip it on, you know, like uh, uh, make me an offer or, or buy it now type of sales. Yeah, you had a couple of things we want to talk about. Uh, what is your optimal, what, what's the best way, your favorite way to buy cards or sell cards? You mentioned buy it now or you make me an offer. What, what are the pros and cons as far as like a, decide which, which route you take? Well, if I'm going for a more expensive card, I'll typically look for uh, buy it now, make me an offer. And I'll look at uh, the market movers tool to see what the going market rate currently is. And then I'll take that into account and try to make an offer below that price. So if I get someone who bites below that price, I know I'm getting a good deal on it. But when it comes to cheaper cards, I, I tend to look at these, uh, at these auctions and hoping I'm finding an auction that's getting overlooked so I can get a cheaper card at a cheaper price and, uh, you know, and then just try to flip, flip that card that way. Uh, Jeff, your thoughts as far as buy it now or as far as uh, auction strategies and things of that sort. And he mentioned the market mover. Uh, I believe, are you going to demonstrate the market mover for us and how you apply that? 
uh, when it comes to buying cards? Yeah, in fact, there's in fact, Market Movers gives you some advantage uh, when you're trying to find cards uh, for buy, you know, to buy it at below market value. In fact, I'll, I'll just go ahead and I know we're going to be talking baseball this episode. So let's take a look at Glaber Torres. Let's take a look at his 2018 tops update in PSA 10. So this card's been a really hot card. Um, you can see that it was going up and up. It peaked around uh, right before sports paused, uh, you know, so on March the 11th, it peaked and then it came down with a sports hiatus. That's a pattern we saw across a lot of sports cards. However, once we got into April, uh, people started buying up cards again. And we saw the entire sports card market go crazy in April. And, and Glaber Torres' cards are a great example of that. So you can see right here where his cards are most recently are about 120 bucks, right around 120 bucks, actually as high as 130 bucks for this particular card. Now the Market Movers tool, if you click right here where it says for sale on eBay, one of the really cool things we'll do is we'll flip you over to eBay and it will give you really clean listings of just this exact card. And look at this. We have just found a deal because as you can see in market movers, this card has been selling for between 119 and $132, $121, $137 over the last few days. And here it is on eBay for $114. So you could buy that card right this very minute. It is a new listing. And what you often find on eBay is there are a bunch of eBay sellers out there who do not uh, fully understand the market movements. This guy may have sold a Glaber Torres card a couple weeks ago and sold it for 114 bucks. And so now he's like, oh, I got another one. I'm going to put it up for 114 bucks. What he doesn't realize because he doesn't have market movers is how that card has gone up in value over the course of the last couple of weeks. So he just listed his card for probably 15 bucks below market value. That is an easy card to scoop up right now. And that's one of the things that using market movers, it makes it easy to find deals like that and get some instant value the moment you buy a card. It's like a stock market. The prices are changing in real time. Did anybody pounce? Has anybody bought it? It's right here. It's for the taking, guys. Someone's going to buy it real soon. Yeah, someone's going to notice it. But again, it's a new listing, so it probably just recently went up. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if one of my market movers users finds it because that's what <laughs> you know. That's what a lot of the people who use market movers do. You know, throughout the course of the day, a number of times a day, they'll kind of check you know the graphs and then check you know to see what cards are for sale and try to scoop up value cards such as that one. Brennan, what, what do you, uh, how do you apply as far as buy it now? Is that a preference for you as far as auctions in general? Uh, is there a preference you prefer or are you just kind of flexible depending on the situation, depending on the card? From, from a buying perspective, I, I look at both to see where I can get the best value. Um, from a selling perspective, if I have a card I know will generate a lot of bids, I'll throw it into auction. Um, right now, I've actually got a Markel Fultz out there, which I know he doesn't have a huge market right now. So I've put that at buy it now best offer. That way I can field the the requests. And if I find one that I like, I'll, I'll accept it. And if not, I'll hold on to it. So um, I generally, when selling, look at the player's market, somebody like Morant, Luca, LeBron, if you throw those into auction, uh, you'll get a lot of action there and people will bid each other up um, for a lesser, uh, you know, for a lesser market guy like Markel Fultz, uh, you know, I, I'll probably just leave it out there. If something good comes along, uh, I'll take it, I'll pull the trigger. And if not, I'll, I'll hold on to it. I, you know, I like to collect my cards as much as I like to invest them and flip them. I, I will say that um, on, on the topic of new listings, if you take advantage of the saved search feature on eBay, you can get notifications when a card you're looking at goes up for sale and you can be that first person in there 
uh, to put in that offer. So what I'll do is if I'm focusing on a certain player like uh, Carl Anthony Towns, which we'll talk about later in the episode, I'll look at the cards I want to buy for him, whether it be Prism, Select, Optic, and I'll save those searches. That way, every time I go into the app, I'll get a blue dot knowing that there's a new listing and I'll look at it. And if it's a price I like based on what Market Movers uh, is showing me, I'll, you know, I'll send in an offer. And I've gotten a lot of really good deals that way. The longer those listings sit out there, the more eyeballs on them and, and the more chance that someone's going to scoop that Torres up or that undervalued Carl Anthony Towns up. So uh, I really take advantage of those saved searches. And um, on certain auctions that I have my eye on, I'll watch those as well. You can hit the little blue heart and watch that auction. And even if you don't buy it, uh, you'll get a good idea of where that auction ended uh, when it's done. You'll get a notification, auction is over, here's the price. And now you'll have a good benchmark as to what that goes for. Jeff, uh, Simon mentioned he talked about non-quarterback flips. And this is a new concept to me. I don't really grasp it, but can you, can you explain or kind of expand on the idea of, I guess, I mean, you know, quarterbacks are the head of the team and yada, 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 but why why are quarterbacks just so much more desirable than non-quarterbacks? Um, yeah, so the, you, you find this type of pattern in every sport, in sports card investing. Um, so, for example, with uh, in baseball, it's the home run hitters uh, that are the most desirable typically. Um, pitchers in baseball don't tend to get a lot of love. In basketball, it's the three-point shooters, uh, the guys who are going to have big scoring games, centers in basketball, especially defensive centers, don't get as much love. And in football, it's really the quarterbacks that are the desirable guys. Defensive players get absolutely zero love in football. Like people don't really collect their cards or, or invest in their cards at all. You get a little bit of activity around running backs and wide receivers. But I think people are fearful because their careers are short. Um, and you know, it's, it's, uh, yes, your Emmett Smith's of the world and your Adrian Peterson's of the world, they do hold value. Um, but the next level down of guys doesn't really as much because they, uh, you know, it's just, their careers are shorter and, and, you know, it's seen as a little more of a dispensable position. Whereas the quarterbacks, people kind of lost after the quarterbacks, that's like the head of the team and the captain and the guy who's going to potentially be there for 15 years with the team. Hopefully, uh, you know, the chance to win multiple championships and all that kind of thing. So quarterbacks are typically in football cards what most people are going after. But as Simon said, there's opportunity to uh, find flips in other areas. And if you going into a season as a daily fantasy sports player, if you have your eye on some particular running backs or particular wide receivers who you think are going to have breakout years and maybe, uh, you know, maybe others are sleeping on them a little bit picking up their sports cards is a great way to go because then you can see those cards increase in value over the course of the season as their performance uh, goes up. With all that in mind, uh, do you find yourself being conservative or aggressive when it comes to seeking out non-quarterbacks? Uh, so one thing I recommend for anyone getting into sports cards is to invest in the sports that you know the most about and that you put the most time into. Now, I do love the NFL and I do play fantasy sports, but I do most of my sports card investing in basketball. And I do some in football and I do some in baseball. Uh, and I've started to dabble in other, other sports as well. But, but most of my sports card investing is centered around basketball. So, so because of that, when I'm investing in football, I am mainly staying true to the only buy quarterbacks uh, because that's, you know, that's, that's, that's going to be the lane that I stay in. But somebody who's an active fantasy sports player in football, who knows a lot about football and is, you know, kind of understands the, you know, the running back and the wide receiver scene really well, 
um, there's definitely opportunity there uh, to use that knowledge to buy the next up and coming players. You stay in basketball mostly because I, it, to me, it seems like the most predictive. It's most predictive from a daily fantasy sports uh, perspective and also from just a career perspective. You kind of know like who's going to stick around, who's going to do things in the next 10 or 15 years in football. You know, one injury, especially non quarterback, you know, or any even for quarterbacks too. Uh, is that kind of like the thought process is like you feel like uh, it's the most predictive route, therefore, that's the place you stay in? Uh, I, I like the analytics around basketball. I've had success using analytics to predict basketball performance. That's one reason. Another reason, as you said, is, is the lower injury risk. Another thing I really like about basketball is with free agency now, players can switch teams in basketball and, and group up with other players and find themselves on a championship team. It causes their card prices to shoot up when that happens. We saw it this offseason with Anthony Davis. The moment it was announced that he was going from the Pelicans to the Lakers, that day, his cards went up 250%. Wow. Um, and so if you can anticipate who that next free agent's going to be who might go somewhere, we talked about uh, – we were just, just talking about Carl Anthony Towns. You know, he's, he's a wonderful player. He's stuck a little bit in Minnesota in a team that's really not threatening and not making a lot of noise. Now, he is in a long-term contract in Minnesota. But it's certainly not impossible to think that a few years from now, he could be teaming up with some other superstars and being part of some super team. And if that happens, we would see his card prices fly up overnight. Um, and so that's one thing I like about the NBA. You don't see that type of movement as much in the NFL, um, whereas in, in the NBA, you certainly do. And the other thing I like as well is the NBA is a global game. And mm -hmm. the sports card market is a very global market. So I have bought and sold many, many cards uh, with China. Um, there's a lot of collectors in China. There's a lot of uh, investors in China. I bought a bunch of cards on eBay from China, sold cards. So it's, it's, you know, it's truly international. There's a lot of European sports card investors um, who you know, uh, will chase the European players. Um, and, and so you, you see that in the sports card hobby. Uh, close your ears, Milwaukee Buck fans, but I think Giannis. I think Giannis Antetokounmpo is good. I mean, look. Giannis seems to love Milwaukee and Milwaukee I'm sure is a fine city, but if you can pick your destination amongst all the NBA cities, you're probably not staying in Milwaukee. Eh, little just thought just throwing it out there. Uh, hope, hey, I'm a Miami Heat fan. So maybe I'm just like, just trying to make the press like come to Miami, man, South Beach. Who doesn't want to have a good time down there? Uh, Simon, how do I know when to sell? Uh, that's a good question. I, I think it just depends on your, you know, like your, your profit, uh, desires. How, how much money do you want to make off the card? And, and uh, just a gut feel on, on when you think the player may have peaked or, or if you think he's outperforming, uh, that'd be a good time to sell. Um, for me, with the cards that I'm focusing on right now, I don't plan on holding them uh, longer term, the non-QB cards. So I'm aiming for guys that I think are going to have a breakout season. And then at any point during the season, if I feel like I can get two or three times what I paid, I'll, I'll probably sell. Brennan, you have a general thought process as far as when you're going to, when you're going to sell your cards or it's just sort of case by case. Uh, it is sort of case by case. Uh, Simon hit the nail on the head though. If you've got a certain percentage uh, return you want to make um, pulling, you know, getting it on the market when it hits that number is, is, is a good way of kind of taking the thought process out of it. If your number's 50% and you hit 50%, you put it on the market. Another thing I like to do is take a player from the same draft class and look at their prices compared to, to the best players in that draft class. So for instance, right now, Jason Tatum might be a good benchmark for the 2017 NBA draft class. If you're investing in someone like Donovan Mitchell, De'Aaron Fox, Markel Fultz, uh, Lonzo Ball, 
and they get close to Jason Tatum's price, um, it, it might be a good time to sell because Tatum's kind of leading that race right now. So um, really it all comes down to what you, what your goals are. Like Simon said, uh, if it's a certain percentage, then you put it on the market for that percentage. If it's a long-term hold, then really, I think you don't worry about the the short-term market movements as long as you trust that investment. Um, and so uh, the only other way that I'll, I'll typically decide to sell is if a player just goes on a crazy run. So for instance, if you were investing in Jeremy Lin, when Lin sanity happened, <laughs> Even if you didn't have a number in mind, when you saw that happen, knowing that that's not really the type of player he is, it might be a good time to sell. And then if you want him back, you can probably get him at a cheaper price in the offseason or when that hype cools down. So it is it's it is kind of a case by case. And as you learn the markets and learn your goals as an investor and a collector, I think you'll you know kind of figure that out. All right, let's talk some baseball players. Uh, I was tasked, uh, basically asked like, Give me some players that might take the next step, players that might be worth investing in. And again, to be clear, I am by no means a sports card expert, but I was just a, I, I put up a collection of names. I'm going to throw them at you guys. Jeff, you tell me if it makes sense via the marker movers chart. Actually, well, I guess uh, Glaber Torres is one of we threw out there. And uh, I like him because, well, the Zips projection model absolutely loves him. They've projected her 41 homers this year. 44 the next season and 44 the next season. Uh, two seasons ago, we had 24 homers and he just jumped up 38 homers. He's still just 23 years old. Oh, by the way, he's a Yankee. That I would assume that has to matter. That has to help when it comes to collection. And he's also expected to move to his natural position this year as well. Uh, are those the reasons? Are those part of the reasons, Jeff? And I assume it checks out via the market movers as far as Torres. 100%. I like Torres a lot. I'm right with you on Torres. Um, so, couple things I like about him, obviously his age, you mentioned the projections around him, but you, you said the fact he's on the Yankees. That's a big deal for two reasons. First of all, major media markets going to get lots of attention. He's going to have the chance to star in a major, major media market. That's going to help his sports card prices for sure. Uh, the other thing is the Yankees are one of the favorites to go to the world series this year. That is also a big deal. I personally, I uh, most prefer to invest in players who have uh, potential to win a championship ring because historically, when you go back and look at the graphs uh, of price of sports card price changes every single year, whoever's on that championship team is going to see a lot of the guys on the championship team are going to see their sports cards spike in prices. Um, and so, so I, I prefer, you know, if I, if I'm having the chance between, you know, between a guy like Torres and a, and a guy who has a lot of upside, but is on a, you know, a, a non-contending team, I'm going to pick the guy on the contending team because I want that opportunity to get the pop through a big playoff run. All right. Anybody else have any thoughts as far as Torres or shall I throw out another player? I'm throwing another player. Oh, actually, actually uh, <laughs> just, just, a, just a question to, uh, uh, to Jeff. Uh, if I was looking to buy uh, that player, what, what brand should I focus on mainly uh, as, as baseball? I know tops Chrome is a, is a popular one for, uh, people to search for on eBay, but what, what are uh, some other types that might be good to look for? Yeah. So baseball cards are definitely different than basketball cards and football cards. So basketball cards and football cards are all made by Panini. So they have brand names like prism uh, and optic, whereas baseball cards are made by tops uh, and they have brand names like Bowman and tops. Um, now I should say that Panini also does make baseball cards. They actually make prism baseball cards, but they are unlicensed products. So they have the players without their team logos or their without their official team uniforms. 
Uh, for the most part, stay away from those. Uh, it's, you know, for the most part, you want to stay with a licensed product. So for baseball, you want to stay with the tops products. Um, the two big cards for any baseball player are going to be their Bowman first prospect. So that's going to be their prospect card. That's going to be when they were in the minor leagues most often. Their very first baseball card they will ever have is most often a Bowman first prospect. And then the other card you're going to want is you're going to want their tops rookie card. Um, their tops rookie card, that's the first year they actually made a major league team. That's when they're going to get their official rookie card issued and you're going to want one of the tops brands. Uh, there's Bowman and Bowman Chrome, and then there's also Tops and Tops Chrome. The Chrome versions tend to be more valuable than the non-Chrome versions, although that's not the case in every in it, with every player. Uh, the market's been a little odd on that recently, but in general, I would go for the Chrome version, the Bowman Chrome or the Tops Chrome. There's also a lot of different refractors where you know you can get the refractor version of those cards that are numbered to 499, or you can get different color versions of the cards, the purples are numbered to 250, that type of thing, which, you know, are going to add scarcity, on-card autos, uh, that type of thing. There's And there's some other sets that are worth considering. Top Sapphire is a um, kind of an offshoot of the Tops and Tops Chrome set, similar design, except it's just a different type of variation of it. Uh, but that's one that's a very limited print run, exclusive set of cards that's become very popular with baseball card investors recently as well. Uh, Reese Hoskins is another guy I think is kind of sort of somewhat interesting. Just because it's my guess, it's my guess that he's he's dropped because uh, for three straight seasons, uh, he, he's he's stumbled as far as you know his breakout season. I guess breakout 2017 was his first year. Uh, this is this will be going into his fourth season. His WRC plus, his WOBA, uh, his ISO, his batting average, it's all dipped. His, his strikeouts have uh, jumped up as well too. So that's not necessarily a great sign. But I still believe the power is real. Uh, fly balls, 50.3% fly ball percentage throughout his career. Uh, he's just got to fix his launch angles, 14.3% home run the fly ball. Uh, I think that's uh, there's plenty of upside in that. Uh, just He's got the power. I refuse to believe the man doesn't have the power to bang the ball out of the ballpark. So I think if he can correct his launch angle, he's a guy that can hit 40 homers. And I'm just buying on the low. That, that's sort of my thought process here, Jeff. I, I don't know what the community thinks about Hoskins, but uh, I feel like people have soured on him to some degree. Yeah, well, you, you would definitely be buying on the low. So that's that could be a potentially a great thing. His Topps Chrome 2018 in PSA 10. So that's a graded card, a gem mint card. Um, that, car, that card is most recently selling for $15. Yeah. So compare, compare that to a Juan Soto or a Glaber Torres, uh, whose cards are going to be 10 times that. Uh, you know, uh, so you can get Reese Hoskins at 10% of what you could get some of those other guys for. So you're certainly he's certainly the type of guy that if you think he could, um, you know, really uh, start playing well again and, and people could start chasing him again. He's the type of guy who you could potentially see a 10x type return because you could get a bundle of his cards for next to nothing right now. Yeah. Anybody have any thoughts as far as Reese Hoskins or shall we move on? So I think, uh, I, um, Dean's going to oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Brandon. Uh, I was just going to say, as, as Jeff said, I like to invest in what I know and, and baseball, certainly not that, but hearing your guys's explanation of his situation, he would be a great flip opportunity. If you thought this was the year he hit 40 home runs, uh, you buy up a bunch of his card on the cheap before the season. And as soon as that run hits and you see his market go up, you'd sell it because um, he very well could have another, you could have the 40 home run season and then go back to his decline the next season. So um, the fact that he has been in such a slump, uh, he sounds like a great 
flip opportunity. And, and that's kind of what you want to look at. If you've got a feed on whether or not he's going to have a breakout season or another breakout season, um, that's one you might want to flip pretty quickly if his market goes up. Yeah, Simon, you're going to say? Uh, yeah, I would just add that uh, that's this is the value of the market movers tool. Because, I mean, I don't know much about baseball, but okay. if, if a couple smart guys tell me a couple players that I might want to keep an eye out on, I can uh, go into market movers, look up the Topps Chrome rookie that I'm looking for, and then get a price for it. And then I can go into eBay knowledgeable of what I should be bidding on that, on that card, even though I may not have a background in baseball. Yeah, I mean, and it wasn't, he had 18 homers in his first season, uh, just 200 plate appearances. Then he followed up with 34. And last year, he wasn't necessarily terrible, but he was disappointing based upon the projections and based upon what people thought they would get out of him. I mean, he had 29 homers, but it was a disappointing season with 29 homers. And he's still young. He's only 27. And again, if he can just correct his launch angle, the power is real. And not just the power, but he's hitting fly balls. Uh, so that, that's how you bang the ball to the ballpark. And so when the fly ball was not particularly high, and I feel like there's an upside to that. Uh, Jose Ramirez is another guy who just tailed two seasons last year. One of the, I mean, so there's a stat in baseball called WRC plus weighted runs created plus, and it neutralizes ballpark and a hundred is the average ballpark. If you have a hundred WRC plus, that means you're the average baseball player. If you have 110, that means you are 10% better than the average baseball player. If you have a 90, that means you're 10% worse than the average baseball player. The first half of the season for Jose Ramirez last year, he was 68 as far as WRC plus. He was 32% worse than the average baseball player, which is dreadful. The second half of the season, his WRC plus was 176. He was 76% better than the average baseball player. One of the top numbers in the entire league. Uh, this is a man who, uh, former uh, top three as far as MVP. Uh, he's got he's got speed. He's got power. He's got 30-30 potential. And, you know, he's also, like, first impressions, people are probably still stung to some degree because they, they picked him last year in the first round, the second round as far as their season long. And, but, again, he – he justified and he probably he came through in the clutch, I'm sure, as far as the, the, your playoffs and things like that. But the season – now, he's, I'm not saying he's going to be the same guy he was in the second half, but I'm saying he's definitely much more this, the guy in the second half than he was in the first half. Uh, did I sell you? Uh, Jeff, what do you think of uh, Jose Ramirez? I mean, uh, his, cards are, his cards are cheap too. You can pick up one of his rookie cards uh, – with an on-card auto, so a card that he has signed, what would normally be a very rare card, uh, a Topps Chrome on-card auto card, uh, graded PSA 10 gem mint. You can pick that card up for 82 bucks. Buy it right now. Um, I'm telling you. Trust me. And that's a, that's a card that, I mean, you know, for an Acuna or anyone like that, I mean, that's going to be, you know, that's that you're, you're in the thousands. So, you know, it's 82 bucks. I mean, it's the, the people have definitely left him behind in the bargain bin. Uh, and have certainly given up on him. So if he's a guy who you think's got that opportunity to rally, he's another guy that could potentially be a flip opportunity. And Brennan's right. These guys who you're talking about now, this is this has got flip opportunity all over it. Like you could buy a bunch of the cards and a lot for very little money, and then you could just sit there. And if he actually starts, if he, the first half of the season he comes out really hot, interest is going up, people are starting to buy his cards. It's an easy flip. He's still just 27 years old. You go back three years, 29 and, you know, 29 homers, 17 stolen bases, 39 and 34. The year after that, 23 and 24 in his disappointing season last year. And again, uh, I believe he's the guy in the second half, much more the guy in the first half. I don't remember if he was nursing an injury of any sort. Actually, he may have been. Or was that Lindor? I don't recall. They both might have been banged up for Cleveland. Uh, that's certainly possible. I'm at the check on that. But he only played in 129 games last year. So maybe it was. He was just so bad and uh, kind of beat up in the first half. But 
Uh, again, I, I don't know anything as far as the card market, but it, to me, it sounds like a, a good buying opportunity. I'm in. If I'm, if I'm buying some cards, I'm buying some Jose Ramirez and I'm buying some Reese Hoskins on the cheap. Uh, another sales pitch I have for you guys, uh, Austin Meadows. I feel like, Jeff, you're going to tell me Austin Meadows is probably a trendy guy because he's, people are expecting him. He's, he had his breakout season last year after getting traded. One of the worst trades we'll see in our – well, I don't want to say the century, but a terrible trade. Uh, like Chris Archer, but he's sort of the, on the backside of his career. And then Tyler Glasnow and Austin Meadows for Chris Archer. Sorry, Pirates fans. Y'all got robbed. Uh, Meadows broke out last year, and I suspect uh, his, you know, I don't think it was fluky. But what, what do we have here as far as the market movers, Jeff, on uh, Austin Meadows? Yeah, and Austin Meadows' prices have actually been going up quite a bit this offseason. People are, people are anticipating a good year out of him this year. Um, his prices, uh, his, his cards were very affordable. They were, they were, uh, they were, you know, around 20 bucks if we go back to February. So even, even after last season ended um, and, you know, he had a good season, uh, his cards were still pretty affordable. But as we've gone through these last few months and people are starting to think about players who could become uh, potential stars this year, we've seen his cards go up where in recent days they've been uh, up at $48, $40, et cetera. So they're still, I mean, they're still compared to a Glaber Torres, I mean, there's still only about a third uh, of his cards. So, you know, they're still quite affordable in the grand scheme of things, but there's definitely been upwards movement and, um, and, and uh, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of interest in Austin Meadows. Yeah. I also wanted to add, like you talked about, you know, being a Yankee has some value. I assume inversely being a Tampa Bay Ray has some negative value, but just being lost there in Tampa, that, that doesn't help him. And just from a perspective of uh, what we think is going to happen this year, uh, we don't know, but we can speculate. Uh, we think that they're probably going to play a bunch of games in a similar neutral site, and Tampa is not a hitter's ballpark. It's a pitcher's ballpark. And if you take him out of that pitcher's ballpark and put him in the same playing field as everybody else, I imagine it would help him more than it would help a guy like, say, that plays for the Rockies. Is that a, a rational thought? I think that's a rational thought. Yeah, that's definitely interesting. These people do notice stats, and the stats make the headlines. So, you know, players in players in uh, hitter friendly parks have the opportunity to put up splashy stats more often. And that's going to make the headlines and sports center and that type of thing more often. And that stuff has a direct correlation to sports car prices. One more thought on that, by the way, if we do have the universal DH, uh, which that's been speculated as well, too. We don't know anything as far as DH in the National League. Uh, guys like Kyle Schwarber, uh, Ryan Braun, you know, Cespedes, who like can't feel but probably can be able to hit. He's kind of sort of somewhat interesting. Pollock for the Dodgers. Uh, Austin Riley is an interesting one. Uber prospect there for the Braves. And he was really overmatched last year, struck out a ton. He, I think he, uh, he had that uh, Pedro Serrano disease. I think he couldn't hit the curveball was his issue. But there's a lot of power there for sure. But, uh, you know, big-time prospect, big-time upside. He looks overmatched, but he's definitely splashed some power. Just I think that's an interesting thought, Jeff. I don't know if, if people are delving way too far into it, but – you know, you're going to have an additional guy in the lineup hitting instead of the pitcher. And there's going to be some guys in the National League that take advantage of that. Am I thinking too much about this? I don't think you're thinking too much about this. There is one difference between, uh, you know, daily fantasy sports and, 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 and sports cars, though, that you do have to consider. There is an exponential premium value placed on the, placed on the highest level of stars in the sports card world. So the, the value of sports cards goes up exponentially as your star power goes up exponentially. You know, a lot of daily fantasy sports players think about lineup optimization and they're trying to find a lot of value, you know, a value picks that are going to fill in the lineup 
and be a good, you know, kind of a good sneaky value pick. In the sports card world, your biggest stars are always going to command the biggest prices, and it, it's not even close. It's, you know, leaps and multiples above the rest of the guys. So, you know, some of the guys that you mentioned that could be sneaky values of the DH position or something like that, it's got to be more than them just having a good season a better season than what was expected of them. It's got to be actually a season where they're really making headlines. That's what's really important in the sports card world. You got to be making headlines. You got to be on Sports Center. You've got to be seen. So that's the one thing. Just making sure that those players are going to actually have enough exposure and and get enough stats up on the board where they're going to get that type of Sports Center exposure. I got one more baseball player before I stop talking. Uh, Lance McCullers. Lance McCullers, really, really good pitcher. Did not play last year for the Astros. They shut him down. He had Tommy John surgery. Uh, still young, still plenty young, only 26 years old. He's got a vicious curveball, one of the best curveballs in the business. Uh, and I don't know, Jeff, you tell me, uh, the Astros are hated, right? Like he, he had nothing to do with that, at least last year. He wasn't in the team. But this, I, I'm guessing, you tell me, again, I have no idea. Uh, I, I would feel like the Astros cards, the values, the perception, and just the Astros as a brand probably was hurt by their whole scandal. Yeah, it was uh, less than you would think. There, 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 there are a lot of people like when I do YouTube videos. Um, I, I did one on uh, Jordan Alvarez um, and said that he, I thought, was a good sports card to buy, good baseball card to buy going into this season. And there were a number of people in my comments who were like, I will never buy an Astros card again. Yeah. That's awful advice. No one's going to be buying his cards. His cards have been pretty hot. You know, they've been going up. Uh, people, you know, people uh, are buying his cards. So that's, that's, I, I you know, maybe for the guys who were like really the heart of the scandal, maybe they're going to have a hard time for a little while. But some of the players who are a little bit more on the auxiliary, like as you said, a pitcher, or a guy like Alvarez, who, you know, only came up to the majors last, I believe it was last season, he came up to the majors. And, and I think, what, it was only about halfway through last season, right? So he kind of only caught maybe the tail end of all of that. So, you know, I, I, I don't know that it's, I, I wouldn't be, I would not be worried, or, or at least as worried as some people would tell you, you should be um, about buying uh, asterisk players. Alvarez, 27 homers last year and 369 at-bats. And this is a really tiny incremental increase as far as his value. But again, if there is a universal DH, when the Astros were in the National League last year, he wasn't playing. Like, he wasn't playing most games. Uh, they held him out. So that would get him an extra, I don't know, 25, 30 at-bats or whatever it may be, which doesn't seem like a lot, but that's two, three, four more homers. Who knows? So added to the total, sure, why not? Uh, Simon? Did, did, did I sell you? Brennan, did I sell you? Have you guys bought your Jose Ramirez cards as I've been ignoring you this whole time? Yes, uh, the Jose Ramirez, uh, I'm definitely going to be uh, checking out after this. Yeah. i got to see if that, that card's still, uh, still available, if uh, Dean hasn't cornered the market yet. So we'll, we'll have to see. You and Brennan are going to be bidding it against each other. I, I hear Brennan typing <laughs> away. Is that what's going on over there? <laughs> no, no, no. I, uh, I, like I said, I don't know much about baseball, so I'm going to try to, to limit my exposure there, but the, what you're doing with these players is exactly what I do in basketball. Um, you look for guys that you think can make that jump as, as Jeff said, from maybe a minor star to a big star or no star at all to a, an absolute star. Uh, Tatum recently made that leap in the NBA. And, and so if one of these guys makes that leap, Dean, you're going to be very happy uh, your bank account's going to be very happy. So um, I'm rooting for you, but I'm going to set this one on the sidelines. I mean, we're right. We just gave you expert advice. I, me and Jeff combined. 
You weren't listening the whole time? All right. Fair enough. Understood. But remember this conversation when Jose Ramirez wins the, I don't know, goes 40-40 this year or something like that. Sure, why not? Uh, now I'm asking you guys some questions, some players you like. Brennan, you tell me first. Sell, sell me on somebody. Sure. So I have recently transitioned away from guys I think will uh, do well if the playoffs happen in the NBA. And I've moved towards guys I think might break out next year or see their values increase next year. And one of those guys for me, we talked about him earlier, is Carl Anthony Towns. And and there's a couple of reasons why I I think that could be. Um, One, Jeff talked about it. He's been stuck on a terrible Minnesota Timberwolves team, and he might be there for several more years. He's got a long-term contract. That being said, Wiggins is gone. They brought in D'Angelo Russell. They brought in some shooters, uh, uh, Hernan Gomez and Beasley from Denver. And they're really running uh, that offense through Carl Anthony Towns. And D'Angelo Russell is a much better distributor than Wiggins was. So I think the chemistry there will be much better. And if you look at Carl Anthony Towns' production as of you know the first five years of his career, it is almost identical to Anthony Davis, a fellow Kentucky big man. Uh, Anthony Davis is uh, in the first five years averaged 22.4 points, Towns 22.7. Davis had 10.2 rebounds, Carl Anthony Towns 11.8. And and Towns actually had more assists, 2.8 to 1.8. That's up to four assists uh, this past season. So he's not just your traditional defensive big man. He's actually very offensively skilled. And what's more surprising is despite being stuck on a terrible Minnesota team, his net rating is identical to Anthony Davis the first five years. Davis also on a pretty bad Pelicans team, but despite that, both of them had a net rating, offensive to defensive rating of plus 12. So uh, and if you, you can keep going down the line with the advanced st- uh, statistics. Carl Anthony Towns had an offensive box score plus minus of 4.8 compared to Anthony Davis at 4.2. So what I'm trying to say is Towns is, has been very, very good. He's just been buried in Minnesota. And with the new kind of uh, you know situation they have there in Minnesota, he could have a breakout this year. Or uh, like Jeff said, when he's 27, 28, he might demand a trade. He might leave in free agency, join a super team. And all of a sudden we see his values go up. He very much has the talent. He just hasn't had the situation. And uh, another cool thing that basketball reference does is compare your uh, you know, your career uh, to that point to other players. And the list is littered for Carl Anthony Towns with guys like Olajuwon and Shaquille O'Neal, and the list goes on and on. So, um, you know, I think he's being a little bit overlooked because of who he plays for. And I think that very much could change here as of late. I'll throw in one more name, and this is something I like to do. Uh, Luka Doncic is a, a very popular card right now. And if he has the success people think that he's going to have, he's going to have his own uh, Scotty Pippins and Dennis Rodmans. And one of those guys could be Chris Saps Porzingis. Chris Saps Porzingis at one point was one of the best uh, players in the league and he got injured. He got traded. He's been a little bit out of focus right now, but if, if the Mavericks have as much success as we think they are, I think Porzingis will uh, directly benefit from that. Jeff, you said you focus mostly on basketball. So what are your thoughts? Uh, well, I, I, I like those picks. Um, you know, I, I do think that Carl Anthony Towns probably needs to get out of Minnesota to get somewhere. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, Porzingis is an interesting pick. You know, I, Luca, Luca is, a, is a, I think, probably a great long-term investment, although his card prices are already pretty significant. They already reflect that. Um, personally, I've been buying on the basketball front. I've been buying a lot of Giannis. Giannis is the guy that I have most heavily been ba- investing in in basketball. 
Um, and the reason is a couple fold. First of all, um, the Bucks have a very good shot of getting to the NBA Finals this year. Giannis has a very good shot of getting his first ring. That would be huge for his card prices. Um, it's going to be easier for Giannis to get there in the East than it would be for anyone to get there in the West. So uh, I like the fact that he's got more of a clear path to get to the finals, especially with the 76ers kind of dropping off this year. Um, and then the other thing I like about it is, as was discussed earlier, you know, Giannis may not be uh, in Milwaukee in a couple of years. He may be, he may, you know, the, there was a rumor the other day that maybe he would end up going to Golden State or something of that nature. But if he ends up, you know, on some sort of super team somewhere and, and he goes on to win multiple rings, um, you know, he's already won an MVP. Um, this guy is an all-world talent, one of the best couple of players in, in the entire NBA. Um, and I, I like his cards for that reason. I think they're still undervalued. His Part of the reason why I think his cards are undervalued is because of the population count. And this is an important, you know, thing for people to think about. Um, population count is the number of cards that were printed or graded from a particular year. And in Giannis's rookie year, 2013, there were not very many basketball cards made. Basketball cards in 2013, there were, there were far, far, far fewer made uh, than there were last year with Luca, or especially this year with Zion. And I mean, I'm talk, you're talking multiples. Like I think you're talking like, you know, uh, you know, 20 percent uh, as many Giannis rookie cards in existence as Luca rookie cards, and that it actually may be more of even a difference than that. Um, and especially when you compare it to Zion, I mean, it's probably like you know, sub. It is, might be 10 percent as many uh, Giannis rookie cards in existence as Zion rookie cards that are being printed this year. So that's another factor to come into play. And when you add that in, that really, to me, makes Giannis an outstanding investment. Simon, who do you have for us? Um, well, in my article this week, I mentioned uh, that I was, I was looking at uh, kind of a tandem of Deontay Johnson and, and Juju Smith-Schuster. But throughout the week, I've been looking on eBay at these auctions. And, and the more I look, the more I like Deontay Johnson. Uh, he had a great season last year. He actually outperformed Juju. He played uh, a few more games than Juju, but uh, given that Deontay was a rookie, I'd say he outperformed him. And uh, he's got Ben coming back. Uh, ben makes wide receivers into superstars. Look what he did with Mike Wallace and look what he did with uh, Antonio Brown and even Juju himself. So I think Deontay's set up to have a big season. And his cards are pretty cheap. You can get his... Uh, contenders optic rookie autograph for about 10 bucks so i've been trying to scoop up some of those i also uh invested in a uh flawless uh uh out of five uh rookie patch autograph of uh deontay it's got the steelers emblem on it i probably paid a little bit uh a little bit too much for it but i bought it for under 60 bucks so if you look at this card, uh, Devin's probably got it on the screen right now. It's a really nice looking card, and I think $60 is a good price for it. I think uh, if he ends up having a big season like I'm anticipating, then I think that card could be worth significantly more than that. Uh, but also, if you're looking for a quarterback and you want some value, I, I don't think you can get much more value than uh, Teddy Bridgewater right now. Uh, I was looking at his uh, Topps Chrome rookie card. You can get a PSA 10 for under 50 bucks. And Teddy Bridgewater is in a perfect situation this year. Uh, he's got Robbie Anderson. He's got um, DJ Moore. He's got Curtis Samuel. And he's got uh, Christian McCaffrey uh, to throw to. So he's, got, he's loaded with weapons. He's in a good situation. 
I'm a little bit hesitant with buying him myself. Uh, I recommend looking at him if you're looking for value, but I'm not a big Teddy Bridgewater fan in general. But uh, if you can get his rookie card for under 50 bucks, that sounds like a pretty good deal for a quarterback uh, in a situation like that. Um, I'd also look at Philip Walker. Uh, if his card wasn't so expensive, he's only got one rookie card that I've been able to find, and that's the Panini uh, Unparalleled. And right now I see it listed at around like 35 bucks. I wouldn't want to pay that for a, a backup quarterback. If you could get him, you know, like in the $10 or less range, I might, I might try to target that. But uh, if you don't uh, have complete faith in Bridgewater to finish out the season, then Philip Walker would be a good guy to target who would come into a, a beautiful situation. You're pinching pennies, right? You, you wrote an article about, about it because I guess you splurged all your, uh, your sports cards money on, on several cards. I'm not sure if you've shown them off on this yeah. uh, about this show, on previous shows as well. I know there's a piece on that uh, here on the Roto-Grinders Network. And uh, I, I guess uh, show some love. Uh, tell the people about the article you wrote. Yeah, I wrote an article earlier this week uh, just talking about how I spent most of my bankroll that I'd, uh, I'd kind of allotted over the next couple months on uh, bigger names like Zion and, uh, and Kyler Murray, which I'm going to hold as longer term, uh, longer term holds. I got a, Tyler, a Kyler Murray uh, red uh, contenders optic autograph card that looks like it's in pretty great condition. I'm going to send that one in to get graded and hopefully if I get a high grade, I could uh, potentially double the value of that one right off the bat. But uh, yeah, I'm holding on to those cards and now I'm kind of focusing on value cards that I can uh, uh, anticipate players having breakout seasons and just kind of holding for uh, some point at the, during the season where I can try and flip it. Some final thoughts, uh, Brennan, tell the people where they can find you, what, what sort of uh, what, what you're putting out there as far as content these days. Sure. So I have an article going up tomorrow on the last couple of shows, we have introduced the, the concept of a market cap for a player. Uh, and so I've actually uh, created a, a pretty lengthy article, uh, both, re, you know, reintroducing that and also applying it to uh, both LeBron James rookie uh, cards back in 2003, comparing each of the sets together, and then also mm -hmm. comparing Dak Prescott to Deshaun Watson and seeing what the market cap can tell us about whether or not there's room to grow for Dak or if maybe uh, he's already seen his prices come up enough to where it's, it's, it's more risky than it's worth. So um, that article is going up tomorrow on rotorgrinders.com. Um, I've spent, you know, a lot of time gathering that data. It's not easy data to get, but the more and more we look at those numbers, I think the more and more questions we're going to be able to answer. Um, if you want to find me, you can find me on Twitter at the DFS advisor. Uh, it's probably the best place to reach me. I'm going to jump into the Rotor Grinders uh, sports card discord as well uh, throughout the day. And since Jeff talked about him, I will show off a, uh, I don't know if you can see it. I just had a Giannis come in a PSA nine, totally certified. Uh, I couldn't quite afford the prism. Uh, they're a little bit out of my budget, but um, that card came in and it looks really nice. So uh, I agree on Giannis. The, the difference in population is really, I think a big deal. So I'm pretty excited about that, but uh, yeah, it's where you can find me. I'm looking forward to it. What'd you pay for it? Uh, I got that one for 200 and I, I actually, it's not one I think the market movers has as a, as a popular charted card. But the nice thing about market movers is you can chart any card. And so you type in the year, the set, the grade. And um, I believe I had seen it going for around 180 to 220 over the last uh, 30 days. So I got a pretty good deal on it. And Giannis is a long-term hold. Like Jeff said, uh, he's already solidified himself as an MVP talent and the rings uh, could potentially come as early as this year. So I, I definitely expect that thing to appreciate uh, over time for sure. Jeff, tell the people about SCI and the Market Mover subscription and where they can find you on the old interwebs. 
Yeah, so sportscardinvestor.com is where all of it lives. Uh, we've got a bunch of great articles and content and videos up there as well, but the membership program is uh, the basis for how you get into the market movers data tool. I've got a couple different levels of membership and you're gonna want the market movers level of membership if you want that uh, access to that data tool. Uh, and again, coupon code grinders is a special deal we've set up with Roto Grinders where uh, listeners to the show get 20% off their first payment. That applies either if you go monthly or if you go annual, you get 20% off the entire year. Um, so check that out. Again, sportscardinvestor.com. And a reminder about the virtual sports card convention. When exactly, what's the date on that? Yeah, it starts July 29th. So on sportscardinvestor.com, click the virtual 2020, register for that as well. It is free to register. Simon, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Yeti Boom Films, or you can find me in the RG Sports Card Discord. And uh, make sure to keep checking back on the sports card section of the Roto Grinders homepage. Uh, we're putting up articles, a few articles a week, uh, putting up a couple of videos as well. We got that Bre uh, Brennan article coming out tomorrow. Uh, Josh uh, Wysocki just put up, uh, put up one today. So keep an eye out on those. And I put one up on Monday. So we got a lot of content on there right now relevant to today's sports cards. Thank you to Brennan. Thank you to Jeff. Thank you to Simon. Thank you to everybody out there watching. I'm Dean. Hope you enjoyed it. This was Sports Card Grinders. We're out of here. Power.